What's happening, fam? It's your boy Sherrod, and welcome to another podcast episode of Behind the Grind, powered by Sherrod Speaks, where each episode I have a conversation. I go behind the scenes to talk to individuals like you and I that are making impact with their influence and making change happen in the places around us. My goal is to encourage, to inspire, to motivate, give you everything that you need, the faith, the fuel, the ammunition, whatever it takes to get you on your journey as you push through and grind through behind the grind. Let's go. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Grind. I am your host, Sharon Schuler, and as always, I'm so glad that you've decided to listen and tune in to another conversation that we're sharing right here on Behind the Grind. You know, we say it each week, it's our goal to bring you real conversations from real people like you and I that are about their grind. And this week, there is a special guest that I want to share with you, uh, my good friend, Brandon Robinson. He's an author, and he recently wrote a book uh, that touches on some topics that I think many of us need to deal with, especially those of us that are on the grind, right? Some topics that deal with trauma, emotional troubles, coping with uh, stress, grief, loss, all of that, dealing with all of that in his recent book. And he's going to share with us on this program and touch on some of those topics. And we kind of have a little dialogue about that. And so I'm excited to share this conversation with you. If you know anybody uh, that could benefit from this conversation, make sure you share this particular episode and make sure you share it. Make sure you pick up the copy of this book if you can. I think it's a book that many of us should add, uh, especially during this time. It's like an on-time book. After we're coming out of this pandemic, I think it's necessary to have a book. We're all in some shape or form facing some type of trauma. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation. Again, I'm excited to share with you with my guy, Brandon Robinson, right here on Behind the Grind. Let's get it. Brandon Robinson, welcome to Behind the Grind, man. How you feeling, man? Hey, I'm feeling good. Thank you so much uh, for having me on Behind the Grind. It's an honor to sit in the grind seat. Um, So I'm looking forward to today's conversation and just having a good time. Man, first off, man, you know, it's been a, it's been a minute since we've been able to chop it up. And, uh, man, I'm looking at you, man. You look you look like you're prospering, look like some great things. We were young fellas back in the day when we were yeah. connecting there in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Ypsilanti yeah. <laughs> area, right, yeah. going to those U of M games. But I'm so – I'm so excited because, man, I, I, I was looking out there on social media and, um, you know, a good friend that we know uh, shared with me as well that you have a book. And I'm like, man, I'm going back 10 years. I'm like, wow, <laughs> Brandon has dropped a book. And so I'm excited. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, but before we get into that, can you just let my audience know a little bit about you and, and some of the things that you, you got going right now? Yeah. So, um so you said it. I have a book. The name of that book is When Words Won't Form, My Pen Speaks. Um, and so a little bit about myself. I'm an author and really the focus, well, the subtitle of the book is Using the Power of the Pen to Tear Down Emotional Walls, right? Um, so I like to say that vulnerability, like I'm a vulnerability champion, right? So I'm really big on um, 
encouraging people to be vulnerable, but also working through traumatic experiences. Uh, I want people to embrace, you know, to work through those traumatic experiences, tear down those walls, heal, you know, the pain and the hurtful things that are behind those walls so that they can embrace the amazing person that they are, right? Like, so that's, that's a lot of what I want to do. And that, and, and there are a bunch of sub points under that, but, you know, I really just love helping people. So that's, that's a little bit about myself. You know, what's interesting is you are from Detroit, right? Yeah, from, from the great De city of Detroit, Motor City. That's right. West Side. <laughs> in the house. Now, you got to take... West Side. Okay, not the East Side. West Side, West right? Side, yeah. You, you got to take us there, you know? <laughs> you got to take us there. Talk to uh, us a little bit about, you know, we, you know, I'm from Flint, and we, we grow up in Woo! urban centers and grow up urban areas, right? And this is normally not the thing for guys to write books. Right. Uh, you know, a lot more are writing books nowadays, but right. what sparked you, you know, to, first of all, say, hey, I'm going to launch and write a book? What, what, what sparked that to happen? Yeah, so, I mean, that's an interesting story. So, I started writing poetry for myself, like as a therapeutic thing, right? Like as an outlet for myself. Okay. Um, like you said, we're from urban areas that wasn't really encouraged. Um, nobody really taught us about like not only expressing emotions, but understanding and processing them. So we didn't understand that growing up. We just kind of did the best you right. knew how to do, get through, you know, don't show too much weakness, things of that nature. So that was kind of how we were trained. Um, you know, and I'm saying it from from my block. That's kind of how we were trained. So how does how does somebody you know from that situation, you know, transition into being an author? Um, so I needed an avenue to express myself. I needed a way. Um, I had gone through some things in life that were traumatic: a divorce, I'd lost children. There's so many different things, you know, compounded, you know, in life. And it was like, look, I need an avenue to get this stuff out. Um, and God gave me a yeah. pen and a, and, and a journal. And through that, I started to write, and it, it, that that really gave me the opportunity um, to say what was in my heart, but that I couldn't say in you know I couldn't say in words. So that's how the book, right. the title was really <laughs> was my reality. Like words wouldn't form for me. I really couldn't tell people like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. Like, hey, I'm struggling mentally. Hey, I'm doing this. But on the pen and paper, I could write it out and it just flowed. So the pen became my voice. So that process, you know, started to go on and I kept writing and writing for myself and I shared with a few people. They liked it um, or they enjoyed it and they, you know, started to give me good feedback and they're like, man, the more and more I share with people, a recurring theme came like, you should write a book. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not writing a book. Like, you know, first of all, like, I'm doing good letting y'all read this. Like, I'm not writing a book. Um, and eventually I got comfortable enough, like, with sharing because I... I not only was I writing for myself, I started to write to help other people. I mean, I really got a lot of joy out of helping others. And I transitioned into me finally saying, you know what, I do need to write a book. And, you know, I finally got over the fear um, and self-sabotage, yeah. which is a poem inside of the book. But I stopped sabotaging myself and I let myself write the book. And that's how we got here. So what I'm hearing is that not that you just started off saying, hey, I'm about to write a book. It, oh, it was no. more therapeutic, right? You were right. writing. Uh, to, 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 to express some of these feelings, which is something we're going to get into. We want to talk about that, especially mm -hmm. from a black male's perspective. Mm -hmm. But going back to, uh, you know, this idea of writing a book, apparently you weren't writing it just to be, you know, you were writing, as it sounds like, but you weren't writing necessarily for a book. Right. What opened you up to start sharing this? Like, was there just something that 
you wanted to share with someone else about what you wrote? What, what opened you up to sh start sharing some of the things yeah. that you had? Funny enough, like I had a couple of friends, you know, that I would share with just like, look, I wrote this poem and they'd be like, man, this is really good. And I'm like, man, y'all just gassing me up. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all just gassing me yeah. up. Like, y'all, you know, y'all supposed to say this. You know, this is what you're supposed right. to do. Um, and, you know, when I was, um, you know, I would also share with, like, my pastors, like, who I have a great relationship with. And they'd be like, this right. is really good. And I'm like, well, y'all kind of like a second set of parents. So y'all kind of got to say this. Right. You know, but they, I mean, but, you know, but they were being honest. And eventually I started to see, like, oh, this is, you know, not only am I writing, like, I actually got a gift here. Like, it flows yeah. like water. I'm like, wow. And, and then, like, not only that, like, some of the feedback I would get from people was like, oh, yeah, I know I got something when... When I would have people tell me, like, you know, I read your poem and I'm just in tears. And I'm like, really? Or, you know, like, you know, I, I, I read it when I need hope. Or the, the best one was like, you know, I was suicidal and like I read your poem and I don't feel that way anymore. And I'm like, oh, OK. So, yeah, I definitely got something here. <laughs> like, and I definitely needed to share it with more people. Like, because I ultimately what made me want to write the book was because I wanted to help people. You know, and, and it's interesting because, you know, again, I'm going back to our years that like yeah. around 10, maybe more than 10 years ago. Man, you are definitely, yeah. you know, in, in in our relationship, you're definitely an introverted individual. You have no problem. And you, you know, we've been able to chop it up. But of, let's be honest, right? There are some mm. conversations that we may not have had, right? There's some feelings that were going on internally that we may not share with each other. Yeah. Let's talk about that. You know, being black men, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. we do get that conversation a little bit in the barbershop or a little bit sometimes maybe in the church, maybe right, here and right. there. Yeah. But we really don't open up. Right. What's your thoughts now about black men and then being open to opening up and, and discussing what's going on? Yeah, so I would say actually I'm an extrovert. So that was the thing. Like I'm an extrovert, but like when it comes yeah. to sharing my feelings, you're right. I was more introverted, right? Like it's more guarded. And that's because. Oh, did I say introvert? I meant yeah. extrovert. I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. clear that up. You were extrovert. I didn't mean introvert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we both are. I mean, I can't. Hey, we we not gonna tell our stories at the game, but yeah, we both right. we both people people uh, oriented. Um, yes. But you know, they're interesting enough. I black men, you know, when the spaces are safe, they actually do open up. So that's the first thing I would say. And, and you name really one of the main places that they're really going to open up is at the barbershop, right? It's a safe space. Right. It's a space where you can be vulnerable and, you know, really talk about it. But then when you think about like the black man and why doesn't the black man open up, you have to look at, you know, like we're both, we're both Christians. So Jesus says, in order to fix a problem, you have to lay the ax at the root. So let's lay the ax at the root of where does the lack of vulnerability in our culture stem from? And it comes from post-traumatic slave syndrome. Right. Okay. So if we think about post-traumatic slave syndrome, we think about not only were we snatched from our homelands, um, but we were put in this situation in a foreign land. Right. Um, we have our families. But in this situation, um, we're, we're not able to really, you know, so we have wives, we have children. So the children are being sold, the wives, our sisters are being raped. And as a man who's a protector who wants to defend you can't or yeah. you die. So not only can I not defend, I can't even voice to the person that this is wrong or I die. 
So now what's birthed out of that is the internal fortitude of black people. Now, black, black, the same thing happened to the black woman, but we're just focusing on the black man because they had to develop an internal fortitude, too. So we had to develop this internal fortitude to be able to face these traumatic things without having a voice. Um, right. And yet still be there for your family. So we had to choose, do I speak up? And I'm not here to provide for my family, help them through or do anything for my family because I, I'm killed. So we got three, we go through 300 years of that. And so from that, we have compounded generational trauma and genera generational um, teachings of how to internalize, why you have to internalize it being reinforced year after year after year. We finally get out of slavery and we enter the Jim Crow era, right? And so as a black man, you still, you can't even look a white person in the face, right? So if they disrespect your wife or your children, I have to look down. I still can't defend. So society is still a threat. So now I still don't have the ability to be vulnerable, right? So I still have to internalize and really build up walls because if I really let out how I feel, then the KKK kills you, right? So then I died in. So now it's I still have to do that. Then we fast forward. We got the civil rights era. We get voting rights. You know, the voting rights passed. Things are a little bit more, you know, a little... Um, a little safer in that respect. Right. Then we fast forward to now we're in an era of police killings, right? Where I can't say anything to a police officer. I can barely move. I can't blink. I can't do anything. So we're trained. Don't say anything disrespectful. Hold your hands right here. Don't even move. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if you express yourself in that situation and even express like, hey, like, why are you pulling me over? You're a threat. All right. And then you get shot and it's legally. So society in our country has essentially trained black men that it's not safe for you to open up and be vulnerable or you die. So that's why we don't share our feelings, because us being vulnerable and that unguarded has always equated to us losing our life. You know, that's interesting you say that. I, you, you, I think you hit the head on the nail there. You know, obviously, you know, somebody might be listening and saying, well, you guys aren't a part of slavery. You're not a part of this. But the truth of the matter, it is the generation yeah. after generation is being taught, is, is going down. And, and as you say, we still go through all of these other uh, mm -hmm. things that we go through. But let's talk about even within our own community. You know, sometimes growing up, you grew up in Detroit, grew up in Flint, you right. know, obviously and i use these i use these places for example for a reason right yeah, these yeah. are places that things happen a lot of trauma happens on top of you know everything else we go through it's compounded about, you know murdering homicides yeah it's mm -hmm. compounded but then also let's just go back to the back in the high school day me and you're you know of that age i don't know if they do it now but of that age of the joan you know they would you know talk about yeah. you and say this and that the other and so you know to cry to show feelings to show how you know what's going on it's yeah. kind of hard so you put up this shell do yeah. you deal with that or do you talk with that uh, yeah, about yeah. That in your book or uh yeah so i mean yeah so actually my book also comes with a vulnerability guide right so there's a guide okay. so it talks about the benefit what vulnerability is the guy you know the benefits of being vulnerable and how to do it so yeah i talk about yeah. those those things right in affirmations right so um but yeah, so there are different poems. There's a there's um, a poem. Um, it's called Internal, right? And it talks about like, do I win? No, it's called In. It says, do I win by really holding all these things in? And so then it goes through the process of why do I hold things in, right? And that's as black people, like like you said, growing up in the hood, like anytime 
First of all, because we we never seen it. You know what I'm saying? So if you were to let down your right. guard and man, I'm just really dealing with it. Like man, oh man, you soft or you being a punk or <laughs> uh, other words right. because we say we can't say it's like bro, what you doing? Like man up, like you right. know, or some right. whatever the term was essentially. But don't show that. Like you got to be strong. Right. You can't let the world know that you're struggling. And so it causes right. you to live in a dual identity, essentially build up those walls, right? I'm weak behind the wall, but in, in public, I'm strong, right? So what society wants to see is a cool, collected black man who's who doesn't fold under pressure or always cool, nothing bothers him. That's unrealistic. That is, There's no way that you can go through all of the things you go through in this world and not be impacted at all as a black as a black man or as a black woman. That's just it's not it's not possible. Yeah. What what role do you think, you know, um, you know, I, you're blessed to have your father. It sounds like in, in your life, mm -hmm. uh, I'm blessed to have my father in, in my life. What role do you think um, being, fa you know, fathers play, you know, or the absentee of fathers yeah. play in this 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 trauma and this? Yeah, mental that's that's a game good that we're. That's a really good question. I think the fathers play a very important part because a father's job is to affirm and approve. Like if you look at your dad is supposed to be your cheerleader, like telling you, like when you have these passions, these gifts and all these things, it's supposed to be your dad that's saying this is OK. You know what I'm saying? And supporting you on your journey to do it. So if people in the world are clowning you. It's your dad that's giving you the reinforcement. No, no, they don't know what they're talking about. Like. Like, this is really dope for you. You're amazing at this. Like, you keep doing it. They give you that motivation that helps you face scrutiny, criticizing, because they're reaffirming your identity, just like the Father God reaffirms our identity when the world and Satan attacks us. And he's like, nah, nah. Like, you fearfully and wonderfully made. You're unique. Don't pay attention to them. Like, right. what I put in you, like, <laughs> nobody else can do. And you're just like, oh, yeah, you're right. Man, I'm not paying attention to them. <laughs> That's what your dad is supposed to do. So when you don't have that, you have an identity you know, crisis and you have people who don't have that. And so you look for it in different places. And so you've, you've tried to, some of it is in mentors, some of it is in another place, you know, friend tours, mentors, family, etc. But that lack of fathership and this the divided aspect of a home. I mean, that mm -hmm. creates a lot of problem in, 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 in uh, black, in our black culture. Yeah. It's, 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 it's deep, you know, it, it goes so many different ranges because even yeah. like we said, even if you do have the father in the house, you know, basically some of those things that we talked about before is still being That's pushed true. on a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, it does interfere. But you coming on this discovery of, of, of writing... You know, mm -hmm. that's something you came upon and it's been therapeutic for you. And some of us may not have come across that. What, what, I mean, was there a moment that you came across and said, hey, I'm going to start writing? Or is it, yeah. uh, you've always written, have you always journaled? Or it was you just know, this moment in it, time it, that caused it to happen? I was 22 years old. I remember the first time I wrote my first poem. I was 22. Yeah. And I picked up the pen and I wrote it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I never, but I was like, oh, okay. But I put it down and I didn't come back to it. Till I was about, oof, let's see, maybe 2013-ish, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, you know, and I was going through a divorce, to be honest, like at the early stages of it and going through it. And I picked it up, yeah. and I'm like, dang, you know, like I was writing a little. I don't even know what, what made me pick it up. Like it had to be God leading me to it. <laughs> let me just, I'm going to just write something. And I was like, dang, actually, I'm yeah. kinda, I, can make, I can make words rhyme. You know, like I'm just like, that's how I started. I'm like, dang, I'm make them rhyme a little bit then I started writing I'm like dang this is actually like helpful for me like you know what I'm saying and like right. Right. that's what did it for me because then I'm like man I can really write about like what I'm experiencing like and 
You know, that's that was the moment for me, like, where I was like, man, this is an outlet. Like, I never knew I had this. And it was like, this was a brand new ability that I had no idea about. I mean, you were literally just, you just decided one day and you would write. What was like your routine for writing? Like, was man, it like, I would every just, night before you went to sleep? Or man, how was it was, that? honestly, when I first started, it was all day. Really? All day. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. multiple times throughout the day, man. Like, I would be writing poems and... You know, I will feel inspired by God to write poems for others, you know, stuff like that. But like, or just writing, man, because I had like, honestly, I was dealing with a lot of fear. So like I would write, but it was also, um, it was hard, you know, because it was new. So it was still yeah. like, you know, when you're doing something new, it's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknown. So you're exploring and trying new stuff. And so I would write like at night, I would write in the bathroom. Then I would start, I got this app on my phone and I would start writing it everywhere I was at, whether it was like two lines or so, like, and it just, you know, for the next few years, man, I just, I just write a ton, you know? Wow. You know, this is an example, you know, so it definitely uh, the creative part. I, I love how God operates, you know, he, he yeah. knows there's things inside of us and he sometimes you know, situation, circumstances pulls it out of us, right? You're right. You, know, you were mentioning some of the things that you, you experienced that may have pulled that out and you started writing. Mm -hmm. You probably should have been writing all along. Who knows, right? But a circumstance, you know. I might not have been ready yet, though. Yeah, yeah I wasn't ready. It would still be. That's true. Because you got to be prepared for that's it. True. Like, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I probably wasn't ready early <laughs> on. But the truth of the matter is you begin to write. And then, like mm -hmm. you said, it wasn't for any anybody but for yourself. You were enjoying yep. it, putting it together, sharing it here, sharing it there. And then God took your stories. I know they're poems, but he also took your story and actually put it in the form of a book, which yeah. is awesome, man. So, you know, some people listening may say, hey, man, I get it, but I'm not a writer. Do you think there's other things that people can do to kind of you know, express themselves outside yeah. of writing if they're not a writer? Or is it you, you think that's probably the main way of exp no, you know, so expressing the trauma? Yeah, I think, I think first of all, there are multiple ways to express yourself, right? I mean, mm -hmm. if you're good with words, then talking is the best way to express yourself. You just need a good listening, safe yeah. space, right? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. writing is just a safe space. That's one avenue, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it gives you the ability judgment-free to put exactly how you feel on that paper. You don't have to be, it doesn't have to be poetry. It can just be journaling. Like yeah. in therapy, they call it narrative therapy, right? So you go in, like you write about a, a particular topic and then you, this is how I really feel, right? But then you, you don't, you bypass aspects of your brain, right? That would scrutinize, judge, and you're just getting it out. And you're like, dang, I can't believe I was that vulnerable. Um, and yeah. so then it helps you to go have conversations, like even if you're in therapy or somewhere like that, or if you're just talking, if you got friends that are therapeutic or a spouse or whatever it is, yeah. it's like, man, like, guess what? This is where I am. And guess what I just discovered? And it's like, but you got that yeah. initial act because until you have, what it does is it allows you to be self-aware because self-awareness is, yeah. is, is very important. So yeah, think about, yeah, self-awareness is very important. Like, you have to be aware about the things that are going on in your life. Like, you know, the, the beautiful thing is think about this, like from a godly perspective. So when Adam right. ate the fruit and he sinned, God said, where are you? God did. He didn't need God knew where he was at. He asked him the question where he was so that Adam could come to the realization of where he was and to have self-awareness. Yeah. So it's very yeah. important for us to have self-awareness. Right. So God wants us to have awareness of where we are, what we're dealing with then he can help us work through it, right? Or to it. It's not always bad, right? Like 
Maybe yeah. we don't see how amazing, how lovely we are, how beautiful we are, how smart, how intelligent, how talented and how yeah. gifted we are because maybe yeah. people have treated, you know, maybe people treat us bad. Maybe we have rejection. Maybe, you know, maybe we have low self-esteem. So maybe we are really like a rogue scholar, but like in our mind, like we're like a high school dropout level education and people are looking at us like, no, you're amazing, but you can't see it for yourself. <laughs> right. You know what? I like what you just said there too. Self-awareness. You know, I'm all I'm all about the self-awareness, identifying you where, where you mm -hmm. are. And you're right. I think writing does help locate you. Where, you mm -hmm. know, it helps you locate where you are, right? Yeah. Um, I think in some cases, not going back to what you're saying, I can see the benefit of this by writing. You know, there are times, you know, and you know, even in a relationship, like you said, mm -hmm. I may be in a relationship with you know with my wife, and she's trying to identify, especially from a man's perspective. How you feel, right? Right. And, and you, you know, that whole question sometimes can freeze some of us up. Like, absolutely. What do you mean? How I feel? You know what I mean? Because you don't know. Writing and you're expressing yourself. Yeah, you don't know. But if you're writing and you're expressing yourself, sometimes mm -hmm. you can already, you know, kind of have thought that through. You, you, you kind of put that down. You've expressed it, and then putting words to it. You know, so that mm -hmm. I think that's a missing piece. Sometimes say, "How you feeling?" You're like. You know how we do in the hood. How you doing, man? I'm good. Or, I'm straight. All, all is well. You know, whatever. Yeah, I'm straight. You know, yes. blessed, you know, us in the church, blessed and highly favored. You know, these are expressions. <laughs> mm -hmm. These are expressions that we have, and and then you know that's a you know in a Greek. But sometimes it may even get to that in the conversation that you're having with a brother. Yeah. It may just stop there. I'm good. I'm good, man. Nothing going on, and it's just there. Not really being able to put words to uh, express how you're feeling. You know, the truth of the mm -hmm. matter is, like you said. Things do happen in life, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there are some there are some moments in life where, uh, you know, uh, someone gets sick. You know what I mean? And you say, yeah. hey, I'm okay. I'm good. But you may need to express that. You may need right. to be able to, you know, a family member, you may be able to have to express that in some words. Right. And so I think what, what you're saying, especially, again, for us black and African-American men, I think this is good to uh, have this conversation, have this dialogue, mm -hmm. and really explore this. Because I think it does also impact us in, in mental health. Do you, you, do you think that has a, a big key to our mental health and how we operate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, not having the ability to, I mean, express yourself and having to hold all these things in, like emotionally, you know, severely impacts your mental health. Like, you know, think about it from third, um, the second, yeah, I think it's third John um, two, right? When he says, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, right? Like, so when people yeah. think that God doesn't care about mental health, like, no, he does. Like, he says, I wish above all things that you be in health, you know, and prosper as your soul. Like, your soul is made right. up of your mind, your will, your intellect, right. your emotions. Right. Like, these are things that are important, right? And all of that to say is that not being able to deal with those things severely impacts that, right? Because now your relationships suffer. Um, you, you suffer, but forget relationships. Like you, you, you suffer, right? Because you right. have all these unexpressed, un, unexplainable emotions going on the inside, and you don't know what to do with them. You know, that's interesting. You say that you suffer. Now, what is your thoughts on? You know, uh, you know, this is probably a term that is used a lot now. Is the mm -hmm. self care? What is your thoughts on black men with the whole self care? Is that something that we need to to talk about? Do we need self care, mm -hmm. or is that just you know just a buzzword for everybody else? Yeah, I know. I think that self-care is important. I think that really self-care is just another term for self-love. Right. And, you know, okay. the Bible says, you know, there are two commandments that are the most important to love God with your whole heart, your whole soul and your mind. The second is like it, it means equal or equated to being just as equal is to love thy neighbor as you love yourself. People emphasize the neighbor and minimize the self. 
gotta love yourself because if you only love yourself, you only love your neighbor to the degree that you love yourself. So the the most important relationship we have is the one with ourselves outside of God, right? But and it's right. and it's equal because if imagine us having a, a self hatred relationship with ourselves, but God loving us, but us rejecting that because we say I don't deserve it, right? So God could be throwing an abundance of love, right? But we can be rejecting it because we have self hatred. Um, so self care and self love is very important. So you have to do things. You know, you a person is worthy of love and self-care is nothing more than an expression of self-love, whether that's, you know, taking yourself out to eat, what, how it looks different for everybody, like video games. You know, we are working now. We everybody's outing is different, but yeah. we should all be doing something kind and good for ourselves. That's good, man. So let's listen before we get out of here. We really need to talk a little bit more about what to expect. It, you know, for those who will grab your book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we know it's poetry. Is there some principles that you drop in there, or is it is it mainly a book full of poetry? What should we expect from reading yeah. the book? Um, so, the book in itself, you should expect you should expect to um, get the book to be able to be vulnerable first of all to encourage vulnerability, self awareness. Okay. To tear down emotional walls. What's an emotional wall? An emotional wall are usually defense mechanisms that we put up to protect areas in our life, whether it's low self-esteem, rejection, all those things. So to tear down and deconstruct those things and to heal, right? To heal those things and then to see like, man, I'm an amazing person and God made me an amazing person. That's really the theme of the book, right? And it's coupled in poems. Each, each chapter is a wall. So let me just do a pub of it. So here's the book. Yeah, um, please do. And if I break it down, each chapter, like it's kind of hard to see because I minute, got the light. Wait a minute, time out. Is that a hardcover book? Am I looking at a hardcover book? Oh, it's hardcover, look brother. Every copy is <laughs> hardcover. Yeah, it's, and I so love each, it. I love it. each chapter is a, a wall down. So the first one is how I view myself. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're looking at how do I look at me, right? Nothing else matters. If, if we don't get that right, nothing else matters. If I can't see how amazing I am, how lovable, you know, how special, how intelligent, how beautiful I am, no amount of anyone else telling me will matter. No one else's words will matter if I don't believe it for myself. So we, we tackle that. And then once we go from that, we go from now I got me right. Then it's trust walls. Right. Because now we got to tackle because what do a lot of people struggle with? Trust. Right. Trust. Yeah. So we struggle with trust. We don't have bad relationships. We, basically, yeah. people are in broken relationships with themselves. We experience a portion of it, and now it impacts us. Yeah. Then we go from... Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. oh, I'm just going to say, real quick, I, I just heard somebody say something about trust. I don't know if you heard this before, and mm -hmm. I don't know what your thoughts is, but they say you should trust everyone, right? And what mm -hmm. they were saying is you trust everyone to, to basically uh, trust whatever behavior that they showed you. Trust mm -hmm. them to do that. That meaning that you trust everybody. But you trust every, you know, the yeah. behavior. If, you, if this person showed you that they're they're a liar, trust that. What's your thoughts on that real quick before we? Well, I mean, to a degree, but like where people yeah. usually do is they, they stop there. So if, if I'm a liar or if I'm this, um, we can say liar, we can say worrier, we can say somebody right. who's who's driven and just intense. If I'm this, surface-wise, you can say, well, they're just a liar. But as Christians, we have to look beyond the surface, right? Like God looks beyond the fault to see the need. What is that need? What is the root of the problem? 
I may be a liar, but I, I may really be dealing with self-rejection. And me lying is a way of me protecting myself so that you won't reject me. So as Christians, we should look deeper. And that's what self-awareness... It's another level. Yeah. It's always another level. And that's the book encourages you to go through different levels. So you learn, like, as you become more aware with yourself, right? Because most of the times when we look at ourselves, like, say, if we're starting a new opportunity, right? Like, there's a fear walls chapter, right? Yep. So we talk about fear and right. fear and anew and all these things, right? Um, and people are like, man, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm so afraid, you know, and that's why, because it's acceptable, right? When you're starting something new, it's acceptable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, society-wise, it's right. acceptable to be afraid. And people will be like, man, you know, why won't you start this business? Why won't you step out in faith? You know, hey, you you preach. So what's the biggest thing? Step out in faith. Don't be afraid. You yeah. know, you got you can't be afraid. And, and then so people are we're so focused on fixing fear that we don't see that the problem isn't fear. It's self-sabotage, low self-esteem rooted in rejection. So while we're over here fixing a branch of fear, rejection is over there chilling. Whispering, you're not good enough. You'll never be smart enough. And that's why they're hesitant because they got that steering their thoughts. But if you don't do the, the self-reflection and if you don't do that introspective work within, you just focus on fear because that's the, that's the branch that grows that's visible to people. And that's what people do. They see the visible. Got to look beyond the visible. All right, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it, no, no, you're fine. We get out of that, but <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. This is like you said, it's, it's a great conversation. Relationship after yeah. trust, after trust is relationship wall. So we're talking about relationship, yeah. good, bad things we've experienced. Got to heal from relationship, right? So you build your relationship with yourself. You build your uh, your ability to trust. Now, how does that inner how how is that surface? How do I deal with people? And then once I fix how I deal with people. We go into racial walls, right? Because what's a big aspect of what we're facing? Racism, yeah. which is really hatred. All right, so now we got to deal with that. We get finished with that. Like, all right, man, I see this hatred. Dang, all right, well, why do I hate? Now we deal with fear walls down. I'm afraid, right? I'm afraid of X, Y, and Z. So there are things from that nature. And then it's just the last one is life-challenging moments. There are things that we experience in life that sometimes just don't make sense. And so that is the theme of of the book and the theme of the book is really just healing right but it's it's okay. it's a different area because we all face so many different so, some people may not have a, a problem with trust at all and some people may be fearless so they don't need that but they may struggle right. with relationship with other people yeah. so we all need yeah. something different yeah this is good man this is definitely good healing is definitely needed uh, especially in all areas of our life but sure. uh, being able to I hear what you're expressing specifically, like I said. Now, this book, I'm assuming, is not just for black males. Who no, is it's for everybody. For? Everybody. Who would you say this book is for? Everybody. Yeah. I mean, because everybody can stand the hill. Like, you know, while I'm a black man, you know, um, I realize that mm -hmm. the, the, the topics that we cover, you know, we all deal with. From black women to white women to Latino to, you know, um, Middle Eastern to Asian. Like... Who doesn't need to see themselves in a better view? Who doesn't need to love themselves in a better view? Is it white? Yeah, I mean it's everybody. Our, it's, a, it's common. Yeah, it's it's a human it's issue. It's common in our human experience. We all yeah. right. It's a human issue. It's a common in our human experience. We all face rejection. We all face this. We all face that. And so, at some point in time, we do need healing. We do need to get uh, better because 
one of the things, and you know this, being in any role, you know, leadership or, mm-hmm. or doing anything in life, you know, at some point you've got to heal up, right? So that yes. you can lead other people, that you can work in the capacity in a full uh, space without being uh, popping off on people, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't yeah. get certain things healed up and have triggers, all of that stuff needs to be dealt, dealt with. And I so I'm a strong advocate for uh, getting the help you need, getting yes. the healing you need, uh, getting the therapy or however God leads you to get that therapy, mm-hmm. getting that because it's vital because you take you'll end up taking stuff out on other people that mm-hmm. really is a result of an inner work that may be uh, an inner thing that's happening that you could get taken care of and mm-hmm. you won't have all this frustration that you're having. So, man, this is good, man. This is good, man. Thank like you. I said, I, I was shocked, you know. To, to know, uh, shocked an aspect of, you know, no, I get what you're saying. Out and we've had some good times, but yeah. <laughs> we, we both have grown book, since then. Yeah. I'm so proud of, Thank yeah, you. yeah. I'm so proud of you, man. I'm, I'm so proud of you stepping out on that because, you know, it's easy to just dismiss that and say, no, nah, that's not what I'm supposed to do. But you mm-hmm. obeyed whatever was unctioning you to just go out and do it. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely is needed and especially in this day and time. So it's like yeah. your book was, had a good timing, it sounds like. Such yeah, for such a time as this, right? Like the whole <laughs> Esther moment for such a time as this. God put yeah. He always has people for every field, right? Because mental health yeah. is so so um visible and so much vocalization yeah. now, right? Like why wouldn't God care about it? Like he he has a thought, he cares about everything, right? So he wants like to help that. people, you know, mentally. Now, I'm looking at that book cover, and it looks like it's black and gold. Is that is that a product of, uh, is that black and gold? Is it a product it, of your, your high school? <laughs> it, it's not a product of my high school, but it doesn't hurt that, you know, it's black and gold. But, you know, I'm not, you know, you I'm, know not, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, I'm not mad about that I'm at all. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you in this aspect of this because our relationship going back to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you know what that represents. And yes. however, I know you are a huge fan, and you still are a huge fan of U of M. So I'm surprised yeah. you didn't use that old that that. that no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't do like I got on blue and gold, though, don't it? It does, it does, it does, it does. Yeah. So with that being said, I want to have you know I always have these random questions. They may make sense, they may not make sense. Okay. But I'm gonna uh, ask you this question now. I want you to consider this in the mind frame that I know you're not much of an NFL. Uh, guy per se as you are a college guy but I want you to think of this as as, as well well in the aspect of you, you're starting a franchise and you've got three players that you can select from now I want you to think in terms of their college performance on which guys you'll do what with not so much on what they actually did in the pros but based upon what you knew what they did uh, in their college experience basically on the field right what so years? the three guys that you have you basically well I'm not going to give you years this is what I'm going to do you're going to have a guy that you actually are is going to be your primary guy that you're going to draft. There's a guy that's going to bring you value, so you'll trade him. And there's a guy, unfortunately, because you only got three choices, one guy you have to cut. Okay? Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> the three guys that you have is Desmond Howard, right? <laughs> We've got Desmond Howard, Tom Brady, and Charles Wilson. What do you do? Who's your Who's your number one pick? Who's your trade guy? Your trade bait, and who's the guy you cut? I'm cutting Desmond. Off rip. Yeah, I cut Desmond. Oh wow. I cut Desmond. Yeah, I mean, give us, a, give us Des- an explanation. Well, I mean, Desmond Heisman was Heisman Trophy winner. Why are we cutting him? 
Because <laughs> his route running ability didn't really translate to the NFL. He was great at special teams. He was a great, great player. But if I'm looking at me drafting a receiver, I can actually use somebody else for that. So I'm cutting Desmond off rip. I'm trading Charles Woodson because I can get so much value for Charles Woodson. I mean, I can I can probably get a couple of first-round picks and two players for Charles Woodson because of just the hype that he had coming out of college. And I'm keeping Tom Brady because, I mean, a franchise quarterback, you can build around him. Tom can take dudes from Walmart and the grocery store and make them great. So I got to keep him. Awesome. Well, you heard it here. I thought you were going to go a little a, a different route, but uh, definitely heard it here. This is talking from a guy who knows his football, especially your Vim football and Big Ten ball. So. I definitely do. <laughs> hey, so be, be, before we get out of here, you know, we got to get, we got to track you. How do we, you know, follow along and get the book? Yeah. How do we track you? Are you on social? Are you out yeah. there like that? Yeah, Tell absolutely. people how to, how to connect with you. Yeah, so first of all, you can go to my website. It's uh, www.wordswontform.com. Um, so that's just wordswontform.com. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can you can put that down there for the people in the description. Um, and I'm also on Instagram, wordswontform. Um, I'm, that's everything, Instagram and Facebook. Twitter, too. Um, and it's all wordswontform. Are you TikToking? You know, no, I don't know what to do on there. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> I, I, I tried to open up. Age now, man. Man, I opened up. I opened up a TikTok, and all I do is watch like cat and animal videos. I'm like, this is they funny, but I don't know what I'm doing on there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not a platform for this. For this is a no, different generation. No, no, it's just. I, I thought I'd throw that out there. I tried it though, and I'm like, mm, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, man, it's definitely been good, man. Definitely Detroit, my Detroit homeboy. What up, though, guy? What up, though? Today, so <laughs> definitely enjoyed it. And it, the high school we were talking about, that's King. It was a King? Was that Martin was that Luther King? Was, yeah, Martin Luther King. We had to make Martin sure. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, Did the best high school in the city. I, absolutely. I was his squad. I played inside linebacker. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I got a few people that listen, and they they've been all in little Detroit schools there. So yeah, I, they. I'm gonna see if you were legit. Were you legit or not, or were you just on the team? No, I played. Yeah, I was. A, no, I was pretty good. Yeah, you, I got hurt though my senior year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you? I would have been. Yeah, I would have. I would have been able to say, yeah, I was good. But first game, I got hurt in my senior year, and I was out most of the year. But I did get ten tackles though that game. I got hurt. So you know, before I got hurt. Okay. Well, all right. You were on your yeah. way. Yeah, I was I was on my way, but your people who whoever listening in the city, they just there's a, a theory that everybody bows to a king. So oh, I'm just gonna put that out okay. there. Well, y'all yeah, heard go. that. Y'all heard that. Not, not for any. <laughs> yeah, I'm that. just you know I'm so, just gonna put that out there. <laughs> awesome. Well, I enjoyed this conversation again. It was good catching back up. It was good having this. It's definitely talking about this. This I think is a much needed conversation, and we can continue this on. I love to have this type of conversation definitely on my program because we're all about the grind, but we also have to have that that place of vulnerability and mental health and, and discuss those things. We can't just be grinding, right? We've got to definitely take care of <laughs> that inner working. And so, and so I really appreciate you bringing uh, your expertise today to the platform and definitely share, shedding some light on some things that we need to do. And we're going to build on this conversation. And, and at some point, we may when that second, third, fourth book come out, we're going to have to bring you back each time and talk about it here on this platform. Thank you. You don't have a problem with it. <laughs> no, I'm, I would be honored. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be be a guest, and I appreciate you having me on. Man, I appreciate it. All right, to all my behind the, 
a grind family i hope you enjoyed this please make sure you share this conversation share this talk uh this uh, podcast conversation if you have not already make sure you not subscribe any longer follow us on apple Podcasts. follow us on spot spotify and any other platform out there that you may be listening to us make sure you are checking the notification the follow uh to so make sure that you get uh the up-to-date information on every episode that we're dropping and so we'll be back next week with more conversations right here on behind the grind